0: Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Arruaca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and writer and teacher Jessica. Uh, We are missing Kenny, uh, Kenny Zepeda, who is not here with us today, will be rejoining us next week. Uh, and shout out to Kenny, wherever you are, and uh, we'll have him next week with uh, us. We are online at what s left at webnote.com and you can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Uh, please subscribe, rate with you, turn on your notifications, uh, share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. Right. Uh, just a quick uh, shout out to a few of our listeners slash viewers uh, before discussing today's topic. Uh, to friends of what's left uh, Sandra Nilesh, I want to thank you very much uh, for your support for for your messages for contacting me uh, yesterday uh, Sandra came by and she heard about my plants <laughs> so she so she she brought this plant to get to get started <laughs> she heard that on one of the episodes I had dry plants when I came home from Mexico oh. and so I'm very grateful for her. And she brought some lovely wine. Um, so thank you very much, Sandra. She she came by. She was an SF. And she also dropped by uh, uh, some stickers that I thought were very cool. And I thought, I think we saw oh, them. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe well, I'm not sure if I should say her name, if these are the stickers created by her. So uh, sure. I think she's fine. She's going to be putting those up. She's putting those up around me. Okay. Well, one of our friends created these stickers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So these are also some, in, some some of the stickers that she gave me so I can put up on some of the campaigns for COVID vaccines and stuff. I could just put this up. so it's, it's really cool. So I appreciate um, our friends from what's left uh, doing that. And it sort of helps me in my recovery of loss of friendships and community here in SF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. So thank you. Oh, and I got a call from, this is whether you want to put this in. I got a call from Brandy about gardening and uh, she really wants courgettes or zucchini. However, I don't know, it, you know, oh, you know, oh, Jess here is British oh. and you deal it with the American here. My native language is Spanish and I'm Mexican. So whatever zucchini or courgette it's to be discussed amongst the Brits and the Americans, <laughs> but she really wants Zucchini in the in the garden, and I'm really grateful she called me. And we're gonna I'm,
1: we're gonna make arrangements so I can go over your house and be. I don't like zucchini.
2: I, I like a... that
1: <laughs> <laughs> But she does eat that, so I guess that would be good to grow. I'd rather grow something we can all enjoy, but we'll see. Well, you discuss it with her.
0: I I've we got a small list of things to get started. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really happy okay. that. Uh, going to do that all right um so do you want to introduce the topic andy why don't you introduce it since i think it was something you okay. Had come
1: okay um well i don't know how many weeks ago it was. it was actually quite some time ago where we were it was at the end of the episode and eduardo it was when you were away um uh in mexico and we were you it was me jessica and eduardo just kind of talking about future stuff and things we're thinking about and jessica mentioned that she's just been having some changes of hearts or thoughts about veganism or her lifestyle. And it was just very interesting to me because we were just all acknowledging just how much has changed, has all these last two years has done to change our minds about things. And I was like, I think this would be good to talk about on on an episode. And I know the the world is going crazy right now, you know, Ukraine, and there's still COVID crazy shit going on and vaccines are still being talked about. And I mean, and Ukraine and nuclear war, but um, in light of number one, that we Kenny can't be here for something that might require a deeper discussion, and in light of the fact that Jessica's just joining What's Left, which is great, I thought this would be a great opportunity for her to talk, to tell us about how she came to some of these important ideas, how they're in flux, where she might think they're going, and uh, I suspect, well, I already know for a fact that... She, I feel like my ideas have changed. I know Eduardo, you feel that way. I know Kenny feels that way. And I suspect most of our listeners feel that way. So I just think it would be useful and really kind of interesting to hear her talk about where she came from in some of these ideas, you know, how she stood for those ideas and how they started to change. So I don't know. That's as much that was that's what I hope we're gonna talk about today.
2: I'm nervous, guys, because <laughs> this is honestly like I've been kicking around some of these questions in my head for I don't know a few months now and I really haven't had a chance to like hash them out with anybody. So we'll see if I end up talking in circles or whatnot. But I feel like hopefully <laughs> and, I'm gonna get something out of this conversation too.
1: And officially are we talking about this area of veganism and being of being being vegan is that or are we talking about other areas as well?
2: Yeah, I think that's the centerpiece. But okay. I mean, I'm always wherever it goes, I'm, yes. I'm open to it. But
1: so, yeah. so maybe, and there was a time when you weren't vegan.
2: Yeah, So you? I've been, I was vegan six years.
1: So maybe walk us back. Sure. To the beginning, where before you, like, what made you go be, decide to be vegan? But where were you at before? And then we'll just walk through time then.
2: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'll try to be kind of concise because I feel like. I don't know. Uh everybody's got these long like woo and then I had this, you know, was visited by on high. Um, but yeah, so it was uh beginning or early 2016. So almost exactly six years ago, um, when I decided to go vegan. Before that, I I mean, in terms of diet, like I ate everything. Uh I'm originally from the UK, like you guys mentioned. Um, so I grew up eating Sausage rolls, every, you know, everything, like meat, dairy, everything. Um and I don't have so I know for some people it's like I read this book or I listened to this lecture. Oh, and
1: sorry. And would you say you like those things, like the things or did you have an inclination? Some people oh, I know. Yeah, I had weren't.
2: no, yeah. I I remember um even like in college, you know, just sort of I mean, I don't think I was ever like mean, but I thought, you know, those people are like weirdos. I could never give up cheese. I could never give up sausages. Yeah. I ate all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't have like, it wasn't, I think for a lot of people, you know, there's like this transformative, like immediate trigger where it just shifts and it really wasn't that I don't know, I didn't have something like that. It was more just I started to kind of um, just information started to kind of trickle in mostly about factory farming. Um, and it was just something I started hearing more about and, and thinking more about. And I also adopted my dog in 2013, 14, a couple of years before this. Um, and I grew up with cats and animals and stuff, but it was the first time I had like my own pet or companion animal. And I think that relationship was also a huge influence. Just, yeah. I mean, she's like my best friend and we just, you know, we would spend so much time together like all the time. And yeah, so I decided I was gonna, uh, try going vegan And I think I like decided I was going to try it for 30 days, just eating a completely plant-based diet. And by about day four, uh, I was like, okay for life. (laughs) Um, because I, I just have a type of personality where I'll be kind of kicking ideas around like quietly. I'll be reading things, but when I make a decision, I tend to go all in. And I just, I, I just like dove in, started researching, reading everything I could get my hands on. Um, and I decided like, I mean, vegan is such an interesting term. And like, we can, we can talk about that if you guys want, but it, you know, in terms of like the label, but you know, I mean, there's, there's a million ways to do it. Like vegan doesn't actually tell you what somebody eats or what they do. It just tells you what they don't eat right so there's a lot of different ways to do it i'd heard um and knew people who were really really healthy and had been vegan for years and loved it and had a great experience and then i'd also heard all these horror stories about you know people like uh, destroying people's health and you know people giving it up all sorts of stuff like that and so i was like well if i'm going to do this i'm i'm going to try to do it right so i initially you know i did it because of the sort of ethical uh ethical stuff like caring about animals and then with more and more research the environmental lens was also a huge factor but um you know also just nutritionally like I was an athlete I was running a lot of marathons back then it was like mid my mid-20s um I I remember actually (laughs) I went vegan like in the middle of training for a, a race and I remember like so many of my friends telling me like don't do that like that's so risky like what are you doing at least wait and It was fine. I I made the decision. Uh, I did a lot of research. And I pretty much never looked back. Mm. And I like when I say like, I've been vegan for six years. Like I've been vegan, like, like really, um, like no, no cheating, like none of that, like, like, like never. And then You know, within, I don't know, a pretty short amount of time, I also became very involved in the animal rights movement. And so it became a huge part of my life in terms of activism, everything from, you know, organizing uh, protests, participating in vigils, um, going to sanctuaries. uh, And then it also became a a part of my research, like it became a part of my writing and research. Um, I organized events on campus. you know, helped out with student groups, all kinds of stuff. And even like my dissertation for my PhD, uh, it was actually called an applied vegan poetics. So, um, yeah, it was, it's been a huge, huge, huge part of my life, uh, for six years.
1: So when I, when you, when I met you, you had a history of being an activist, was your activism through that, that route of vegan, then animal activism, or had you been earlier?
2: No, I mean, I used to go to like anti-war protests here and there in college. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it was really veganism that kind of catapulted me into the activist world like properly. And that was this, that has been the centerpiece, animal rights activism for the past six years. Um, and then environmental activism kind of emerged from that. Um, and that kind of became like, almost kind of overtook it, uh, I would say, like in the second half of that three years. But but yeah, it's been, it's been like definitely, um, central.
1: So I am very unfamiliar with, I mean, I know the term veganism, but I remember seeing a show where different vegans were saying that's not vegan and they were calling each other not vegan or, you know, like because certain, so there's a kind of a scale it's of sorts. Um, where would you put yourself like as a, cause it, it seemed to have a very fluid definition depending on which vegan we're talking to kind of thing, because do you, is there a way you can describe your version of it?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. And we'll talk about like the representations and like the movement, I guess. But I mean, the vegan society, which is kind of like the, I don't know, like the most cited Western definition is basically um, avoiding exploitation, of animals and cruelty to animals, um, including diet, uh, including for the purpose of food, clothing and entertainment to the degree that is practical and possible. So that's where like the leeway kind of comes in is like, well, how do you define what's practical and what's possible? You know, if you live in a food desert or, you know, somebody put something in your meal by accident or something like that. But um, I mean, I was like pretty full on pretty full on. I mean, I like to think that I wasn't, I mean, I was a little obnoxious, <laughs> a little obnoxious, <laughs> but I, I mean, I I wasn't the sort of vegan. I mean, there are, there are, there's a sector of the movement who like won't sit down and have a meal with uh, anybody. Like if there are animal products on the table, I wasn't like that. Um, I was always down to like, talk to people. I, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, p- part of like, I think part of the criticism of the movement comes from this perception of kind of like a holier than thou, um, really self-righteous attitude. And I think I never felt like I was better than other people, but if I'm being honest, I guess I did like think that I was making a better choice, like in this one area. Um, if that makes sense.
1: Better choice, not just for you, but for all of us, the planet kind of thing.
2: Ethically, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. I mean, I also should like give the caveat. like I don't think I never at any point thought, oh, I, I'm going to like save the world by like changing what I have for breakfast. Like it's a lifestyle change, right? And I mean, that's with so many of these environmental issues and other issues, I think um so much, like way too much emphasis has been placed on the public the working class in terms of lifestyle changes right and oftentimes it's a huge distraction from like where that the power actually lies so it's not like i thought oh like i'm gonna save like all these animals it was more i think just about like aligning my actions with my values um and i mean after i like after this sort of transition period it felt great like if and it's still like, it feels great. Like it, I, I, I loved it. Um, I mean, there's some negatives to it, but I loved being vegan. Like I, I felt great. Like, I mean, I'm, I've always been kind of an athlete and it, I only got faster, stronger, more energetic. I mean, I was healthy before I ate a lot of fruit and vegetables before, but, um, yeah, it just felt like a really vibrant way to live.
1: And- I'm gonna have one more question and then order I swear I'm gonna hand it over to you. <laughs> um, the but first people you're not just a runner, you you've been a fighter, like you do Muay Thai, so you need to have like fast twitch muscles and strength at a point, you know. And I remember uh, there was a fighter, gosh, well, he was a UFC guy who, would, who was vegan as well. People thought he might not be able to fight because of it, but he was he's like, no, you can totally fight being vegan um the other thing you mentioned that was interesting is you mentioned the year 2016 and i think everyone's gonna like you know that's the whole year that trump won and so is is there anything about that year that you think might have been the detonator um for that transition
2: um it's an interesting question i don't know i mean yeah like the the ufc thing which I think this kind of connects because Trump Trump was, you know, is a very like macho, you know, sort of like, uh, I mean, he's a sexist. Like he's a, he's a fucking misogynist for real alleged rapist. Right. Um, there's also a, I think, I mean, I wasn't huge. I wasn't as um, I wasn't coming to politics and even just life in general with as much of a feminist framework back then as I am today. But there's also that like gendered aspect of diet, you know, which is why like, you know, um, people feminize plant foods, um, which is one reason why like, yeah, there's plenty of professional athletes who eat a vegan diet or or a vegetarian diet or eat close to it. And there's a really long history of, um, of that. Uh, there's a great book which was really, really influential called um, The Sexual Politics of Meat by Carol J. Adams. And that was really, really influential to me early on in my activism in terms of understanding sort of just the connections between like different forms of oppression. And that, I mean, that's really what it, I guess I didn't really say what, like, why did I go vegan? I just kind of said, like, oh, like the ethics. Um, and I mean, really, I think at base, like it's about uh, it's about seeing animals as sovereign beings in their own right, as opposed to seeing them as commodities or resources, right? Um, and whether it was like connecting it to feminism, connecting it to sustainability, connecting it to anything, right? Like that I saw a connection between the commodification and exploitation and killing of animals. Um, I should say like non-human animals, because people always forget that we're actually animals too. Um, but that there's a connection there with like uh, other types of subjugation and, and objectification, women's bodies, like ecosystems in the land, collateral damage and war, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then also just the, like the detachment that I think, um, especially people like in my generation, you know, I'm like a millennial um, and with the increasing, uh, you know, use of technology and, you know, just just the whole capitalist structure, right? Like we're very detached, especially people who live in cities, which I, I up until last year, you know, I've been living in cities my entire adult life and so i found that veganism kind of brought uh brought me toward more of an like an attachment and a presence um with food like when i would eat whatever like a kale salad or something you know i would think about like the soil and the sun and and i really came to have like a a really deep gratitude for like nourishment right and then when i would see a burger like even though i know it's tasty it's not like i ever was like oh that doesn't taste good that's not why i made the choice to change i saw it as a dead body like i really i really did i mean i do um so yeah that's kind of the reason i don't i don't i didn't answer your question about 2016 but i i don't i don't think you did. So. i don't know
0: jess what was that book called for some reason as you were saying the book it got cut off or it got
2: it's called The Sexual Politics of Meat
0: mm. by
2: Carol J. Adams. She is a really, uh, really preeminent um ecofeminist.
0: Mm.
2: And she actually, the reason I was thinking of her with that question is because she's actually written a lot in the past few years about Trump in particular. And, um, oh, like the whole grab, grab her by the pussy and just like the, the language, like the um, animalistic language, right? Like we use animalistic language as uh, uh, pejorative, right? Um, especially toward women, like bitch, pussy. There's a long list: cow, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, it's not just, just yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, toward men as well. But there's there's a lot more toward women, and and Trump has definitely used some of those terms in very public. Uh, Contexts, and she's written a bit about that um i don't know people sometimes make fun of her um but i think Mm -hmm. that book especially i think it's god it's maybe been out like at least several decades but yeah it was really influential for me
0: yeah i think i'll premise my questions or my 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 curiosity of your changes or even or uh, what i don't know about you and with just a, a little bit about myself, I think just so people understand my lens, because Candy and I have different lenses. I, I myself, am a, a vegetarian. I was vegan before, and <clears throat> and so I, I, was vegan in my adolescence. But I was, veget- I became vegetarian at age ten. Um, and often, it was two things that influenced me: it was a teacher that was a Mexican teacher with a hippie Mexican teacher. I remember in school. And she just said, when I asked her, oh, what did you eat for for the weekend? And she said, "She said, uh, well, no, I told, I shared with her I ate hot dogs. And I said, do you like hot dogs? And she said, I don't eat what I love. I mean, it was just that simple. And it influenced me. And I thought, well, that's right. I love animals. I, had, I loved animals so much. I had dogs and cats. And so I thought, why would I eat what I love? And it was just, it clicked for me. And then there was the film that came out. Uh, in Mexico, we were, Babe, El Cerdito Valiente, which is about babe, babe, the, the, the pig that was the brave little pig, right? And so those two things influenced me. So that's when I became vegetarian at 10. I think in the beginning for us who grow up being vegetarian, we have that staunch activity, the want to change everyone. And then over time, over the years, you have, you change how you talk about vegetarianism or veganism. So I didn't, I, so today I'm not that um, judgy or I'm not that way with some people. Um, uh, I understand when you say you can sit with people and you can eat with them. I myself can do that as well. Um, I and, and I guess where my questions are going to go is because I still believe that being vegetarian and being vegan, which is uh, a challenge when I travel, but being vegetarian is uh, something that could that's just something that I still believe. It could be some. It aligns with my values. It aligns with change that I believe we can have on this planet. Especially whatever you think about uh, climate change, the environmental uh, um, catastrophe, like for example, uh, runoffs like agriculture runoffs that run into rivers and um, from animal waste or factory farming. You know all of these things that affect us. Um, in the environment are not about CO2s. They really do a lot of damage to our rainforests. And I think that if people just, you know, the rate that we eat meat and everything, it just, that's something I'm worried about, about our rainforests and about our land and our water. And, you know, so much water is consumed and so much grains, are our crops are grown for animals, that that's my reasons really for doing it. And yes, of course, I have this love for animals. Um, so that's where I just wanted to premise those questions, my questions to you uh, with um what so you are going to change or you're being vegetarian now or you are not going to be vegan anymore I guess that's i i wasn't clear about that or you're still in the middle of that or you're it, what is this
2: uh so I have dipped my toe into change i mean i bro- i broke it. i broke it um mm. a few weeks ago. I don't know. I like, I don't know what I'm going to do moving forward, but <laughs> I'm having a lot of questions around it. So yeah, in terms of like, what did I actually eat? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I was thinking about this and I thought, okay, let me try this. My downstairs neighbor, bless her, came up like a few weeks back with, um, some summer sausage that it was venison meat that her, um, partner had shot, like had hunted. Um, so it was super local. Like I knew the person who had killed the animal and I was sitting in my fridge as I was kind of, you know, reading some stuff and I thought, all right, before I go out and like actually try eating animal products again, let me just like, I had like a little bite just to make sure like this guy wasn't going to (laughs) fall. I wasn't going to vomit or something. Um, and then, yeah, so I, um, But I, so like a a big part of kind of what stimulated me thinking about um, not being vegan anymore was moving out here to a much more rural place um, where I literally like I can drive to, you know, a dozen different farms and I can actually meet the animals, meet the farmers. So I actually, yeah, I reached out to a few different local farmers and I did end up purchasing, um, a few eggs and some local meat. Um, so that was about like a week where I ate a few animal products. Uh, I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. My partner, bless him, who's not vegan, has never been vegan. He was like, what are you doing? (laughs) it was like really weird. Like the, like the, I mean, he didn't mean to be like judgy, but like, I, I was like projecting that onto him of like, Oh my God, like I feel so judged. Like, I feel like this is like so weird. Um, yeah. It's, it's weird. And then I did, I, for like a month after that, I ate completely vegan again and I was still just kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then the other day I bought some more eggs. So I don't know. I'm like in the process of figuring out what the heck I'm going to do. But I mean, technically I can't call myself vegan anymore. <laughs> I think. But I wanted to say, Eduardo, I wanted to just say something about uh, like the sustainability aspect of it, too, because I, I just I mean, just to be clear, not that like the what's left viewers are going to come come for me, but <laughs> um, I just want to make it clear, like factory farming should be abol- abolished today. Like those places are hell on earth like if there is any place on earth that is um hell that's it like they are i think the probably the cruelest, most sadistic creations that humans have ever manifested so 100 percent, burn that shit to the ground i don't plan to eat any of that i think you know industrial agriculture at large both plant-based and animal-based and like you mentioned like oh you know the majority of the soy and the corn and the wheat like a lot of that's fed to factory farmed animals. Um, and I think industrial agriculture is responsible for, you know, a lot of the exploitation and suffering that occurs, you know, across species today. Um, so I think we have to de-industrialize, you know, if we want a healthy planet for our children and our children's children. Um, but I, the, I, I'm always really intrigued by that phrase you brought up of like, you can't, what do they say? Like you can't eat animals and or you can't love animals and eat them too. <laughs> and I, I actually, even at my most like intense, you know, vegan moments, I've always kind of had mixed feelings about that phrase. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to separate it. For me, it's hard to separate it from my like feminist critiques, you know, cause I think of like men who claim to love women, and yet like totally objectify and dominate and and consume them. Not, not obviously not literally, well, not usually anyway, but you know, I think a lot of the strategies like by which we commodify women are uh, like in Western culture are the same strategies that we use to commodify nature and animals. But I like, if you look at like tribal cultures, um, not to say that they're like perfect or that they're beyond repro- reproach, but you look at the, like, the different ways in which they show such deep respect, right? For, for hunted animals in particular, um, I think it's so hard to make a case that they don't love animals. And even in, like, even in Western culture, I have always said this, that I think hunters and vegans have way more in common with each other and either of those groups have with the sort of mainstream urban population who buys their food in a in a grocery store and buys like factory farmed meat. Um, so I I don't know. I think maybe you can eat animals and love them too. But I'm-
0: yes, to to be clear, I I think pigs and cows are freaks of nat- freaks of human breeding, right? I think those aren't natural animals. Those are things that have been bred over years. I think you said you ate venison no and yeah. right <laughs> that i think that if i had to i would uh, i don't do it for spiritual reasons myself because i feel like there is a there's something i need to have a discipline since i left the witness life and it allows me to that i can go into that another time but the what i what i i don't i don't um disagree mm-hmm. that there are tribal uh, that, uh nations or even people have long time in meat, no. And I do think hunting is uh, a lot more, maybe mm, ethical, um, this might be controversial to other vegetarians, but then, then factory farming, I mean, it's horrible what they do in those places. So I I think we've been very cruel to animals. Uh, I also don't believe in having pets because I think pets um, are also not, it's not natural to be having pets myself. I don't do it, but I don't judge it either, right? So. It's just hard for me to see birds in cages when I see that. Um, so cats are different and some dogs are different. Um, but a lot of like fish and birds and reptiles I think belong in nature, you know, for me, that's hard to see. And um, so back to um your comments. So so is this is this change what brought about this change recently? Was it is it something that was propelled by uh by it's like these series of events, and the pandemia, or the, the after effects of it, or is it some? What is it that maybe propelled it? I, whether you become, whether you decide to eat meat or, or or not eat meat, whatever it is, it's something's propelling. Something's there that's giving you a a push to 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 begin the uh, the curiosity of maybe I can do something else other than what I've been doing.
2: So I guess there's kind of two, it's kind of twofold in terms of like questions and critiques. Like one is questions and critiques about being associated with the movement, like with being associated with Mm. veganism, like hashtag veganism, uh, animal rights activism, that kind of thing. And then the other half of it is like my actual, uh, like actions and practices in my daily life, you know, and my like expression of values. So, I don't know. Should I just go over both of them? Yeah. So, my relationship to, like, the movement, I have gotten to the point where I feel almost exactly the way that I feel, and I think I've said this in previous episodes, like, you know how a lot of us kind of feel like um, with the word leftist or, variations of that. Like I'm fucking sick of saying to people like I'm a leftist, but like not that kind of leftist. That's exactly how I feel about saying I'm vegan. Like I've constantly feel an impulse to qualify like, Oh yeah, I'm vegan. Like I, I love being vegan, but I'm not like that type of vegan. Um, and I feel like just, I mean, this has been happening for a lot longer, but especially in the six years that I was vegan, um I've just seen so many freaking issues with the movement that are just beyond frustrating. Um everything from rampant like racism and sexism and I'm not saying like every animal rights activist is a racist or a sexist not at all but it it is a huge problem. Um another one is like ineffective activism. Um, like we just keep doing the same thing and the same thing. And it doesn't change anything. Like every year more and more animals are killed uh, like in, in industrial facilities. Um, and people are just so unwilling to change, change the, the strategies or even to like talk about changing the strategies. Um, so I found that really, really frustrating. Like just constantly celebrating the same pointless crap. It's just, wasting people's energy um there's the the self-righteous like I mentioned earlier kind of holier than now attitudes and like the purity politics which I mean albeit it's kind of hard to avoid like I mean I mean I think if you're going to call yourself vegan like you can't be eating animal products it can't be like oh like I'm vegan but like you know when I travel or like I don't know I mean that's my opinion um and everybody I mean I'm a hypocrite because I there are were even though I was like very strict. Um, like I would buy secondhand leather because to me that was less harmful. Like if the point is to try to create less harm in the world, especially toward animals, to me that was much more sustainable and less cruel than um, buying like new synthetic plastic or whatever you know boots or whatever it is. Um, so some people would say like, oh, well, you're complaining about purity politics, <laughs> but anyway, um, so constant infighting. I mean, that's a problem in every movement, but, um, it's just another like huge energy suck. And then especially in the COVID era, but I mean, this has been ramping up for a good decade. It's just like cheering on, uh, corporate solutions, like fake solutions. Um, yeah. Like Burger King has the impossible burger. And like celebrating that, like it's a freaking victory. It's not uh, the celebrity culture too. Like kind of alongside that corporatism, like the celebrity and influencer culture, it just among like Western veganism is well, it's just sickening. Uh, I got a long list of complaints. Uh, I think also like misrepresentation of data. Um, I mean, that's that that can be a problem on both ends of the spectrum but you know I I definitely think with some of the statistics that prominent vegan activists like to throw around like a lot of it is is it's not an accurate picture like I'm not saying that it's all crap but um some of these like Netflix documentaries that came out and you know I was even you know like a proponent like shared some of them I think a lot of them are really I don't know. They're sometimes they're a bit of a reach and they kind of misrepresent data. And it's like, if you're, you know, there's plenty of data like to back up this stuff without having to stretch it and misrepresent it. Um, yeah. So there's a few. Oh, and like blinders. Like, I think it's, it's especially problematic within the vegan movement of just people having such blinders on that they can't think of like any other cause Um, it's like, it has to be about like the animals first and foremost, and nothing else matters. And I mean, yeah, it, it's all ridiculous. Like to me, and if you actually look back, like if you look at the the sort of origin of like Western veganism, I mean, there's obviously, um, like non-white, non-Western histories of like abstaining from animal products or cruelty toward animals, there's loads of different examples of that that go back like thousands and thousands of years but if we're talking about sort of like white western mainstream veganism um it basically goes back to the to the vegan society which started in the uk and they were basically a group of peace activists and it was it was actually um world war Two and seeing the horrors of that like not just animals but seeing like what happened to humans what happened to like landscapes um they were you know they were anti-war activists basically um and so i think a lot of that history um has been completely lost people who are like the most prominent voices in mainstream veganism i don't think hardly any of those people even know like the history of their own movement um which was extremely frustrating. And I mean, I didn't know it at first either, but I just think, I don't know, it like that's not always the case in other movements. Like anti-war activists read history. Um and so there was that like human element of like, well, humans are animals too. So, you know, if you're advocating for non-human animals, you should also be advocating for, you know, uh, slaughterhouse workers. Um you should also be advocating for um, women, you should, you know, and it, I mean, we can all only do so much, but I do think there's, I don't know, people kind of have blinders on and they don't want to hear other perspectives. They, they especially don't want to hear perspectives from like small farmers or, um, you know, um, herders, uh, yeah. Um, hunters and, and the indigenous thing, sorry, I'm rambling on will I'll, I'll mm-hmm. make, point and then stop but the indigenous thing was always a tricky one because it's it's one of those like gotcha questions that people love to throw at vegans it's like oh like are you so you're going to criticize like indigenous tribes for like fishing on their tribal lands and my answer to that was always like of course not like are you kidding me like let's fucking focus on (laughs) the problem and the problem is the factory farms um that's where 99.9 percent of meat in the United States comes from. It's the cruelest, it's it, it's the most environmentally destructive. So like of course I'm not going to go like critiquing indigenous people. <laughs> like that's insane. But if you actually want to like look at the logic um you know the past few years I really have had an increasingly difficult time reconciling a strict practice of veganism mm-hmm. with those traditional practices of living and eating um and you know it's not again like i'm not i don't think it's helpful to like hold up you know to to participate in that kind of like tokenism of like whatever you know and even i mean indigenous is such a that incorporates so many different types of people all over the world um but i mean if we're talking about sort of traditional um Non-industrial ways of sustaining a, a community, I think those indigenous exceptions, which include almost across the board some form of consuming, killing and consuming animals, I think those should be the norm, you know, not in the sense of like appropriating other people's culture, but just in a sense of like garnering ancient wisdom, wisdom of the earth, natural ecosystems and cycles and and I do increasingly think those cycles include life and death right um and coming here like coming to a more rural place like i've really been forced to be more physically intimate with you know with uh plant life like with soil um like one of the one of the things that made me like go out and like purchase some of these you know local animal products was um when I moved out here, so we have a little garden, um, which is my landlady's garden, but you know, she's going to kind of take me under her wing and hopefully I'll, I'll learn, I'll catch up to Eduardo in a few years. I don't know. Um, and I was like, okay, well, what do you do? Like, do you compost? And she was like, well, we, we bury our compost. And so I was before the winter hit and the, you know, the ground froze and it got too hard. I was burying my compost in the garden you know, and so I was just thinking a lot about soil and like all of the different organisms in soil, right? Like millions of different species, right? Um, And I don't know, you tell me from your like permaculture perspective, Eduardo, like my understanding is that healthy soil requires death. Like it requires like blood and bones and you know this this whole idea of like pure veganism of like, I'm gonna try to live outside of killing. Um, and I mean, I think it's not like i I was never under the illusion that I was like not um, you know, like living completely outside of harm. Um, I just wanted to like to the extent that I could reduce. You know, unsustainable and, and unhealthy and unnecessary forms of violence. Um, but I'm I'm not so sure that that's like the way. You know, I think like a package of tofu, even like a banana. Like in some ways, I think there's more violence and more harm, including harm to animals, in in those foods. Monocrops, soy, wheat. You know, than there is in like a egg that came from down the road.
0: You've touched on a lot of points, <laughs>
1: China. I just, like, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Maybe Andy but, can go first. I'll. Well, I'll just say that it's fairly clear to me, like that. I. I'm not. I can't repeat what you said, but it's fairly clear to me that the transformation that that you made was very much. It almost was like there's a way I heard it and I'm speaking almost like poetry as a rejection of transhumanism, as a rejection of that sort of like, we're going to escape death vision of the world and an attempt to really embrace and come back to what does it mean for us to be human as an individual, but human as a society and as, as part of a, as part of the world, you know, and, and, and a natural part of the world, which again is also, it so resonates with my own evolution in relationship to socialism and the notion of revolution and it's, it's Diego Rivera versus, uh, who was the other? Jose Orozco, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So you did a very good, I, for me, I don't know if it is for our audience, but it's entirely clear the how, how, that trans, how that transformation would happen over time. And it's not just the fact that you moved from a urban location to a rural location, which is one of my questions initially. And now I can see that that might've been a catalyst for the, the change. But there is something else taking place in relationship to the way the world is being transformed, and what it's forcing us to do. It's kind of stripped down, and I feel like get back to what what is, and it's the way you're talking about indigenous. Not like I want to be like that indigenous people, but what what how what were our associations before we got all fucked up with this stuff, and and we may have to go back with that because the people in charge plan to take us to a completely different place. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you speak though to what was positive in both the movement, well, in your experience of the six years, but also in the movement? Because I, even for myself, international socialist organization that I'm so glad I got out of, I I, I do feel there were some things that were important for my for where I ended up going. So I do think it's important to maybe speak to that, and then Eduardo, you should go. Oh
2: yeah, I mean the the orange the origins of the movement that i was kind of referencing with um you know the the original vegan society i mean that was it was basically like a i think it was very like utopian idealistic but they wanted a, like a global peace movement based on radical nonviolence after witnessing you know the horrors of world war 2 and and that i mean like yeah that's what i'm all about um and I think, I mean, one of the, like one of the questions I'm wrestling with, which I I can't quite figure out is, can you consume food, plants, animals, whatever, can you consume food like without commodifying it? Um, because I used to think like, you have to, even if it's subconsciously, like you have to commodify or objectify an animal in order to consume it. Um, but one of the things that like I was kind of mentioning earlier with um, just talking about kind of the gratitude that it brought me. And like, I mean, I w- I always loved to eat before, but there, it was just such a transformation, like going vegan. Um, I mean, the way that I prepare food, like it's just such a joyful process. Like I, I love it. Like, and it, it just brought me such, such pleasure and just such a, yeah, like just a, a presence, um, you know, um, whatever it is that I'm eating. Um, and I think, you know, there's like a, I mean, there's, a lot, there's lots of ways that people love to like make fun of or dismiss vegans. Um, and there might even be people listening who think like, uh, like, whatever, like it's just kind of a silly issue. Like no one gives a fuck what you eat or like, isn't this a little obsessive? but I, I and I think there's some truth to that, like I said, about uh too much emphasis being placed on on like individual lifestyle practices, along with like the like the guilt projection shaming stuff um, like all of that's true um, but to me, like veganism it has been not just a lifestyle practice, but it's been a whole like spiritual and and political like philosophy and it's it's kind of unique in the in the sense that it's it's an applied philosophy of which the, you know there are other applied philosophies but it's there's very few political choices or actions that you take with that level of frequency you know people vote or protest or organize right but you eat most people eat like two or three meals a day. Um, And so I think it's kind of unique in that way. And it, I mean, for me, it it blew open like my whole world. Like I would not have become an environmental activist. I, I don't think I would ever have questioned COVID or at least not to the extent that I would if I hadn't, like I, veganism stimulated me to start researching nutrition and holistic health not because I was like stoked on it, but because I just wanted to remain healthy and I wanted to do it in a way that wasn't gonna harm my body. Um, and what I ended up finding is that I I loved learning all of that. And so I've you know I've kind of made a hobby of like studying holistic health for, you know, five five or so years, I'd say now. Um, so it's brought me that. It's brought me, you know, more health like myself. Um, like I said, like I've I've gotten faster, like it lighter, stronger. Um and it's just brought me like closer, I think, to to the land, to animals. Um and and just yeah, I think I'm more capable of looking at the world around me and not commodifying things. You know, not that like people are looking around like consciously doing that, but like we're we're all programmed to commodify fucking everything um and so I think I don't know I mean maybe you can't maybe you can eat food like I I, certainly like if you're growing food I mean I ate um a few meals before before the winter when the garden was still going right as I moved here um and there's just nothing like you know eating a meal that's like complete and I didn't even grow it you know my landlady grew it um but oh, it's just a whole different experience. And I think that's something I can take forward, like regardless of if I'm vegan or not vegan. Um, And also people, like I have a lot of critiques of like mainstream veganism, just like I have a lot of critiques of mainstream like progressives. Um, But most of the vegans I know, you know, even if they sometimes are a little obnoxious, which I was definitely that way, um, they're some of the most compassionate, People you will ever meet, like, just so lovely. Um, so full of, um, I don't know, just like catch me at a vegan pot, like, any day of the week. Like, I will, I love that. I love it. Um, and I've become a much better cook because of it. Yeah. So, those are a few things.
0: So, uh, let's see where I can, because I have a few things I just jot down from everything you have said. You were going to ask me
2: about hypocrisy, weren't you?
0: (laughs) I think so. I think I agree with you. There is a, there is a, there is a, a line of thinking and I'm very familiar with it that I would see in college circles that there is, especially you know, you go to college and you'll have these clubs and especially in liberal cities like SF, which I think is number one, still in the top number one city of all of the USA where there's a lot of vegetarian restaurants and, and catering to vegetarian lifestyle and for vegans as well. And there is a a level of shaming and wanting to, you know, that obnoxiousness that you talk about there, they don't encourage. It's more of shaming and trying to make people force and sort of neither. I no um ideology you no know? so I I am very familiar to it uh and so I I guess what I, I guess what I'm different for me I've all I was there at one point when I was younger and you know and then traveling to different countries have just gave me a level of sympathy I think for me uh, it isn't that I will never eat meat I think killing is a form of violence unnecessary violence. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. And I I think that I, you know, I, I enduring what's left, we've talked about guns. And I've changed my my view on guns. And I think I'm willing to take up like now whether whatever the reasons are, people in the Ukraine, family members taking up mothers, are taking up guns, they're taking up arms. And so have many revolutionaries. And I wonder if I will do that, I'm not sure. And I don't want to own a gun, but I think maybe I might, you know, and if I have to to defend or to be a part of the revolution, it's still something I'm questioning. And so I think it has to come to a level of where I have, if I see it necessary, right? And so I think killing animals because I feel deep connection to nature and I feel deep connection to plants. And I feel I think only take what's necessary in nature. I think that's my concept of and so of of my my of the way I live. And so it's an unnecessary violence. And I'll only do it if I have to, but I don't condemn it. I don't think it's wrong. I think we over consume meat. No, I think you know people talk about, well, tribal nations, yes, but the tribal nations also took it from you know they took what they needed not like you know colonizers came here to the usa and killed a bunch of buffalo just to uh, just for sport right and then i think about what you said i also lived in idaho for some time and i remember i had a deep respect for hunters in idaho because they wouldn't use an ak-47 for example to kill deer they thought you know why would anyone do that that's unethical right that's not giving another living being like a deer or whatever they were going to hunt a chance so i i think of that and i do think there's ethics around that um and the same thing i have around drugs and alcohol i think for the longest time i did not do those things right and i think it's also i would it, it's just what level i guess is the discipline of where you think those limits are and uh so What are your thoughts on that? I think for spiritual reasons or the violence that this is because killing does that have any effect on you? Does that make you? um, Maybe some thoughts on that Um, before I ask another question because I have another question um, that comes after that about lifestyle. Um, I'll pause there because I don't want to say too
2: much. Yeah, I think you and I, Eduardo, maybe have had a similar evolution on the gun issue mm-hmm. <laughs> um, i feel like it's probably the most drastic like shift i've had on like a stand of anything um i was actually thinking about it today because we're it, it's st patrick's day today and i like growing up you know singing english football songs, <laughs> no surrender to the ira and all of this like fucking propaganda that now i look back and i'm like holy shit, those guys were fucking awesome, right? And they had guns. They had all, you know, all sorts of makeshift weapons. Um, do, do I, like, am I, like, excited about the prospect of, like, going out and shooting an animal? No, but I wonder if part of that is a detachment, right? It's the same mm-hmm. reason people would, most people buy their, you know, they pay somebody to do that. Like you, you get your chicken nuggets in the grocery store at McDonald's. They don't look anything like the animal. You don't have to deal with that process of killing the animal and then preparing, like, you know, everything that goes into skinning the animal, like all of it, right. It's bloody. It's, it's, it's the opposite of transhumanism, right? Like you said, Andy. Um, And pa- like part of like with the hypocrisy thing, part of what I'm like floundering about is like, well, fuck, like, what do I eat? Like, because if I'm trying to align my value, which my values haven't really changed, I don't think it's it's just you know I'm I'm taking new information in and I'm trying to I'm trying to adapt, you know. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to like do my best, be a good person, but like, I mean, we however organic however you know non-gmo whatever like that shit soy milk everything like these monocrops are completely destroying the soil um we're bulldozing like whole ecosystems including all sorts of animals um you know both like mammals and you know everything right down to bacteria which people don't really think about or care about but it is i mean it is another It's kind of another form of like speciesism, you know, which is the whole vegan thing is like, we're not going to be speciesist. And yet we are super speciesist because we, it's like, well, we're not, we're not going to eat farmed animals. We're not going to kill, kill animals to eat them, but we're fine with like bulldozing a whole, you know, forest where millions of animals and billions, like, if you count the animals without, you know, faces or the insects. So I don't know. I'm like, well, should I stop eating bagels? <laughs> should I stop eating? So should I not have soy milk? Uh, should I not have organic bananas, which were probably picked under horrible, you know, it's, condi- <laughs> it's really unethical stuff.
0: labor conditions.
2: <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> it's insane. like, and I, part of this, right, is like, what we always come back to which is this whole fucking system needs to be torn down um because it, you can't you can't make completely ethical choices it's not even close and it's not to say people shouldn't try but i don't know i mean i don't know what i'm supposed to eat you know and i mean i know like i i'm really really excited about the spring coming and learning to garden you know even if it's just a little bit, um, it's obviously gonna, there's going to be a learning curve and I don't have a massive amount of land. I don't even have my own garden. It's like I said, it's my landlady's but that is exciting to me. And I think, you know, there's, there's increased, um, desire on the part of people who want to be more self-sustainable and they want to be more connected and less detached. So I don't know if that answers your question, but kind of
0: i will say i have a lot of respect for people who because my great-grandfather kills his own meat like he kills his own chickens and kills he he does do it himself i have a lot of respect for people who do that and i don't judge it for them and you know novella carpenter who is a writer and and someone i've known worked uh, she had a small urban farm in oakland and she grew and she she raised her own pigs and stuff and she killed it and you know the turkeys would hang out with the prostitutes right there on in downtown and and you know it's 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 you know the, this urban farming also is something that um, just people's people's uh, uh willingness to kill their own meat is something i respect if if that's anything i, I just want to, I, I there's a difference for me and maybe as some vegetarian listening to this like i'm not a vegetarian <laughs> or something
2: what do you think about dairy eduardo
0: I think it's about, I don't drink milk, but I eat yogurt. I eat yogurt because of the um, probiotics, the importance of your, your gut, like all of those probiotics that are necessary for your gut. And so I don't eat dairy uh, unless it's a cheese Is something I'm used to because I go to France a lot and I just love cheese, but uh, not, not like milk. I don't drink milk milk like that raw milk i will but that's expensive so it's when i have money for it
2: <laughs> it's weird because like i i feel much more down to eat meat which is like literal flesh right mm. versus drinking milk i it's just like the whole idea of like consuming another species <laughs> is like breast milk Uh when you think about it it's fucking weird dude like you know it's like this reproductive substance that's basically designed specifically right for a mother to nourish her baby Uh and most i mean most non-white populations are quite lactose intolerant intolerant right um which is why the dietary guidelines like the governmental Um, oh i hate those federal guidelines and even like the school lunch regulations are racist as fuck in this country um they're so fucked up like they're making people sick and disproportionately non-white people but i i give my like my dog goat's milk all the time because it's great for her stomach so i don't know massive fucking hypocrite i don't i don't know
0: There's a great book that I recommend if anyone wants to read this for audience and yours, Nourishing Traditions, which has to do with a lot of meat, a lot of vegetables. I skipped the part on meat because I don't eat meat, but there's a lot of great traditional foods that are there that recipes and all that I really it's amazing. I I the how much tribal cultures can teach us from all around the world, from Europe, from Africa, from Latin America, from Asia, that can teach us about what we're missing out on, that I really do think that we could um so take in like you know um is fermented foods right and uh and a lot of different uh uh vegetables that we're not used to and so i do have from um, work uh i love it i just love it so i i'm not i i what i want to i don't shame that's what i'm saying so i'm not shaming and i don't mind people's practices again it comes down to how much i guess and this was my next question How do we preserve the earth that we have? And I have said this many times on What's Left. I don't feel motivated. I don't feel I have an incentive to be in a revolution. And this might—you can jump in here too, Andy, because I'm curious from your take. I don't feel motivated to—and you know—to join a revolution, the revolution train, too to be a part of anything of movement. If I'm not fighting for anything, I'm not going to fight for ideas. I want to fight for an earth and I want to preserve what we have. And at this rate, if the rainforest is not going to be there, if we're losing species, if we're also just damaging our ocean and our waters to remediate, like to be able to restore and to heal the earth, it's going to take so many years. And I, for my generations and for my offspring or, or my, 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 my nephew's offspring because I, I don't plan to have children as well I just don't feel motivated and so that's why I do what I do and I want this is where I wanted to ask you do you think there's any any value in people I know that we should like this is what I've said before to yes bring down the system that obviously the biggest players here are the biggest the biggest, uh, gangsters here have been Nestle, have been all of the corporations that stick and propagandize drink milk or have, you know, or have big, large factory farms and who have, who are the, there are the, to are to blame for the environmental uh, destruction. I understand that, but I, I, I don't, I think that, that we can do both, which can be responsible and we can also, uh, um, Fight against those institutions, those those big companies that have um, uh, destroyed our planet, and that's what I'm I'm I grapple with when I think people think we should just focus on on companies like Nestle. You know, uh, I just don't feel motivated. I I don't see what I just don't see what I'm fighting for. You know, I get I lo I lose interest. Just I just don't I don't know how if I'm not doing something to change my life and also be a part of uh, a movement, then I don't, I don't, I don't feel anything. I don't, I get, I get really resigned. That's the word. I get just resigned. I just feel resigned.
2: Well, I mean all like all the processed plant-based alternatives, right? Like that's a right. million dollar industry and it's backed by, Silicon Valley, it's backed by Green New Deal, mm-hmm. corporatists, capitalists, backed by foundations, right? Nonprofit Industrial Complex. And oh my god, Pharma too. Okay, I literally mm-hmm. saw the other day uh the world's first vegan paracetamol. Like, we've fucking lost the plot. So I totally agree. I mean, the whole like hashtag go vegan is it's a branding exercise you know it's an ad like it's right. just total virtue signal it's a fake fake solution and it, i mean in a sense right like it's it's capitalist exploitation and misappropriation of what i think are like arguably authentic values like most people are just trying to do good but i mean no food that's that ultra processed, like plant-based or not is sustainable or healthy Right.
0: and i don't mean to say and that's good that you brought that up i don't mean to say that those are the alternatives because i know those are also screwing our earth yeah but that's why i'm a permaculturist because i do believe that you should grow your own food you should start growing your own food and you should connect with other people i'm connected to community support to agriculture right farm where they i know their practices i've been on their land and we exchange, or they, I buy their food. So it's it's it, to me, I understand that's what I've also heard the counter argument to what I'm saying about meat and factory farming, and as well as all the industrial runoff of of contamination on our earth. I understand that that the counter argument to that is well, soy burgers aren't necessarily as well the solution to this. And I'm not saying that is as well. It's just doing the best that we can, like I, to to minimize the impact that we have on our earth as we are also fighting these these mega companies that are destroying our earth. So I'll stop there because I think I, my point is clear. I want to hear what both of you have to say to that.
2: Can I just ask a quick question? Yeah, yeah. Do you think, based on your experience with permaculture, do you think it's possible to do completely vegan, including like the fertilizer uh, permaculture? Because I know like Derek Bros does that or like mm-hmm. argues that you can do that. But yeah. I'm like, where do you get your fertilizer? Because if it's synthetic, it's not, you know. Well,
0: first, first of all, I don't use, yeah, I don't use synthetic fertilizer. I, I make my own fertilizer, my own compost, and there's lots of ways in permaculture to create massive amounts of fertilizer for to restore the earth. You know, it's not just fertilizer. It's also using plants that have nitrogen roots to be able to restore that earth and to also grow an ecosystem that can invite animals to restore that earth as well. Like mycelium. Mycelium is also... Uh, it's not an animal, but a mycelium is a network of, of like it's it's it comes from, it's not it doesn't come from mushrooms, but think of mushrooms as the fruit, and mycelium is this is this organism that grows underneath our earth. So we can restore the land and o- restore the soil, so that we can have um, we don't have to use synthetic fertilizer. Yeah.
2: But do you need animal manure?
0: You can use animal manure, but not necessarily so. Yeah, you can. But you can also use human waste, for example, right? Our human waste. Uh-huh. That sounds like for a lot of people like, oh my God, I don't do that. But it, there are safe practices to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll stop there because I think I would talk So I, I wanted to get your thought maybe on
1: that. I'm curious
0: on your point of view on that, Andy.
1: Um, well, I don't know too much about uh, the actual practices. I think I understand, Jessica, your question. Of like, well, could it be done without animals? And when I hear you saying, it, Eduardo, is was yes, it could, it could mm-hmm. be done. Um, uh, so there's your answer. Um,
0: it can be done without animals if you have small scale gardening, right? But if you want to have, if you want to create a food forest, right, then other animals in the wild will right. then fertilize your your,
1: your food right. forest. Well, but yeah, I don't think Jessica was saying, "Are you going to end death?" In fact, she's inviting death into into the world. Oh, so right. The yes. idea that we would have to use animals in a way that's non um non-collaborative almost it's basically we're going to use you as a tool for us um and i think that's i think that's the spirit i think jessica that you're talking about mm. i'm not sure i is that am i right about that i think so yeah um well then i guess here's my question i suppose for both of you um so the a lot of the depopulation agenda that has been talked about with regards to big pharma and things like that. Here's a question I think that I would have for both of you actually in relationship to this change that I think that sounds like we are going to need to make is hidden underneath this change we're talking about, is hidden underneath it, a depopulation agenda. Should I say more about that?
2: Are you asking, is like the mainstream hashtag go vegan part of
1: no i mean the actual kinds of changes that jessica you're looking to make at ward water that you're looking to make is underneath these changes on a global scale if we were to make them to get rid of factory farming to get rid of the kinds of things that are exclusively these things as commodities as opposed to the use values and things that get back to the way things might have been is hidden underneath that plan, without us saying it, a depopulation agenda. Mm. Meaning, someone's got to go because there's not going to be enough food for everyone when we, if we're going to go. That's all I'm saying. That's yeah.
0: what I'm asking. I believe that there is plenty of ways for food for everyone. There are ways I, now. I, I, I have said something very controversial before, and I will say it again. I, I personally. I don't know if I want to have this. I personally don't think we should be having any more kids. (laughs) I'm not planning to have children. I think there are plenty of kids already on our planet that need homes. And I've adopted one for, and I did my work for 10 years. And I think everyone else should do the same. Everyone should take on it. And if you don't want any children, that's fine. But if you want, if you're planning to have children, you should adopt as well. What, totally
2: would, what would you say, Justin? <laughs> I totally disagree. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I think I get where your questions coming from, Andy. I I do agree with the first part of what Eduardo said in the sense of I believe the Earth is abundant. I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't think you know it's the whole scarcity mindset. Like we treat the Earth respectfully. There is more than enough food, more than enough resources. I agree. Call it mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um. Realistically, I mean, obviously, factory farming is not going to be abolished overnight, and that's even like one of the stupid, mm-hmm. like gotcha things that people will ask vegans is like, well, if we abolish factory farming, like, where do all the animals go? And it's like, oh, what that like can't <laughs> happen like that. But um, you know, I'll. <laughs> I'll reference um, Lear Keith here who won her book, the vegetarian myth um, is one of the many resources I've been reading. And it's, I haven't even completely finished it, honestly, because it, it's really hard. Like after having, this is such a big part of my identity for so long. Uh, it's really confrontational and it's hard to get through, but I think it's important. I don't agree with her on everything, but anyway, she, um, she was a vegan for like I don't know, like 20 years, 30 years or something. Um, so that's even more intense. So yeah, she, she totally left it. Um, anyway, I don't agree with all her critiques, but um, one of the things she frequently talks about, and she's obviously a, a big, um, you know, feminist voice as well, is teach a girl to read and you will solve the overpopulation crisis. In a generation or two, um, you don't need to. We don't need to, you know, do the whole eugenics thing. I, I don't know. I mean, I have mixed feelings about even the whole charge that the Earth is overpopulated. Mm-hmm. I think the Earth is overpopulated with billionaires and Westerners, Right, um, we're consuming way more. But if you look at, you know, some of the most populated pl- places on the planet, India, uh, Africa, to some extent. These people their carbon footprint is basically zero like statistically zero um it's ridiculous like it's it's a total hmm. projection so i i don't even agree with that whole uh i, I don't think that's what you were arguing andy but i, yeah, I don't agree with that oh, whole. yeah that's like, a question so,
1: that comes because you know yeah. yeah
2: but yeah the whole so teach a girl to read right like if we improve uh literacy particularly among women and girls, uh, globally, on average, like, just naturally, women will have less children, they will, like, you don't have to control their reproductive rights, you don't have to force anything, you don't have to take people to gas chambers or feed them propaganda, like, if people become more literate, girls have, women have less children, they just do, I mean, not every single one of them, Um, but, Yeah. I don't really, I don't agree with the whole sort of like anti-natalist thing. I want to have children. I'm planning to have children. Uh, In my twenties, I totally, I was totally on the whole like progressive climate change thing of like, oh, I would love to have a family, but like, it's not ethical. It's not like I shouldn't bring children into a world that's this horrible, like And actually the gun issue funnily enough was huge because coming from England, (laughs) I was just thought it was so fucking weird that like, why would I want to have children in a country where someone could walk into like an elementary school? Um, And now I'm like, you know, maybe I should teach my kid to (laughs) arm the children, right? Arm the animals, (laughs) arm the children. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really fucked up that we've made like, not we, but I think there's a lot of, and I was actually talking, I've been teaching a feminist theory class this past term. And we talked a little bit about some of the messaging that's coming down to young women and this whole idea of like, it's, it's not like, it's like a shameful political choice to like breed. There was like a New York times op-ed that came out not too long ago that was like, Something about like uh, oh, is to breed or not to breed, right? Which is like it's it's again it's like animalistic language to describe women, and I just think like how fucked up like to make people like to make women think that I don't know just you know like if you want to have a family you should be able to have a fucking family. Mm-hmm. I like I yeah I've totally done a one eighty over the past decade or so <laughs> on that issue like. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's create good humans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you want to, I mean.
1: I mean, Brandy and I are, I'm not planning to have kids. I think it's age, but also where we're at. But I very much agree with your view on it, Jessica, in terms of, you know, if you want kids, have kids. (laughs) I have the one unpopular. (laughs) Because Kenny also (laughs) agrees, with, but he's already stated his position.
0: I, you know, to me and I, you know, there are just a lot of, Communities that are in need, and to me that I mean, I and I have a lot of nephews.
1: <laughs> and I, guess, I but maybe I'll try to get also at your point, Eduardo. That I don't know if Jessica, you took up that Eduardo asked about.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: um, you know, people talk about Nestle and taking on these big corporations and institutions, but and counterpose that to these individual choices. Um, and he and I think, Eduardo, you're saying, one, you reject the counterposing of those two things, and you find that the, m- much of the talk of taking those institutions has less meaning to you than the actual personal choice you're making about the way you're living your own life. That's that's kind of how I have heard that. If I've translated it
2: properly. Can I read a quote? Go ahead. Okay, this is a quote from Derek Jensen, and I feel like it speaks to your, um, kind of what you said, on that note um, about the revolution and how- Eduardo, right? Eduardo, yeah. And then what you just kind of referenced, Andy. But yeah, like that idea that Eduardo was talking about, about um, not feeling like, not always feeling like, yeah, I want to join this revolution. And like, unless there's something to defend, like it's easy. I don't know. I'm very like, mm, yeah, like let's fight. <laughs> the, the harder thing is like to build like to build the society you want, right? And we obviously have to do both. But anyway, I love this quote. So it's from Derek Jensen. He says, if your experience is that your food comes from the grocery store and your water from the tap, from the economic system, from the social system we call civilization, it is to this you will pledge back your life. If your experience is that food and water come from your land base, you will make and keep promises to your land base in exchange for this food. You will be responsible to the community that supplies you with food and water. You will defend this community to your very death. I think that's so true. You know, it's like if there's nothing to defend, whether it's like small personal choices or it's whole communities, then there's no point. Like, there's no point, right? And that's like why you see, you know, so many. Indigenous individuals and whole groups of people who literally have been willing to literally die, right? Like defending their land because they don't see their land the way that a lot of us see our land as a, you know a commodity or a resource or even like, a hobby. you know, like, yeah, I can go hiking on Saturday, like get my dose of nature. Um, no, it's like life-sustaining. So there's a whole like paradigm shift that's required, I think.
0: It's for those very same reasons. That I think I, you know, I mean, I, I love the earth, you know, and I love our, my relationships with people that are on this earth, you know, and um, which is why I do what I do and, you know, I grow food and and, and try to create community with my neighbors around that and 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 I think that also living my life as lightly as possible. Um, so I don't know it's just I know that it's I'd also think that there are certain economic freedoms, how do you say it to to be able to think that way to the space in your head like if you are also from a middle class you know depending on where you are, if you're a working class family you're not going to think about where your food comes from, you're going to think about putting food on the table. So I also think that that's important and I understand that, you know, when I was traveling down Central America, lots of people offered me their food and it was with meat. And I didn't say, oh, I don't eat that. I accepted their food and I ate what I could, right? There are people who are very generous and to me that's very important. So I'm not also this, you know, purist. I think that it's important to understand where you're at right and and i think that if you can be uh conscientious then that's great if you can but you know there are buddhists who also take their bowls down a road and whatever people offer them is what they offer them so i, I think
2: I, that's really beautiful Eduardo like that example and i had i had before i was vegan um i studied abroad in west africa and it was mm-hmm. Like just on my like fifteen minute walk to from like my host family's the house I was living in to school every day I would walk it and like half a dozen families would like invite me in for for breakfast like to share at their communal um, plate and yeah I think like people kind of with the detachment thing like food is really fucking important like I think. I think it's easy to like trivialize it and be, you know, again, the like, whatever, just, just eat what you want. Like don't take yourself so seriously. Um, but food is your fuel. Yes. Like nutritionally, but I also think like spiritually, I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's all energy. Right. And that's why it's so important to me. Like what could be more important than, than the type of energy you want to take into your like one and only body. Um, But I think, you know, when something is shared, you know, and I'm somebody who, like, I try to buy, like, organic, non-GMO. I'm trying, like, my biggest thing right now is just trying to shop as locally as possible. Um, But I also think there's an energetic um, element to it, uh, which is why, like, you know, when somebody makes something um, with love and care, right, I really, I believe that the the body has an ability to kind of um, transmute and, um, and even just, I mean, in general, the body can detoxify an incredible amount of stuff, right? Um, I'm not saying we should all be like, you know, eating McDonald's, but yeah, I think there's something important about that, like spiritual or communal energy that goes into it as well as like the actual substance itself.
1: yeah i guess though is and this is where me and eduardo have some have had arguments i guess um cuz it's not just getting on the socialism train when it starts running or rather that's the way it's it's often been put here <laughs> but for me i just keep coming back to the truckers in canada um like fossil fuels trucks um i don't think we're talking about What people would say are the cleanest things or I don't and I don't know what they were eating um government said some of them had arms but I don't think they were what they were that armed but it probably was for me it was the most significant event of all this um that wasn't related to India because I had it It was farther away uh, but the most western significant western event in relationship to has what has been a press of big pharma and the state and Covid repression that has been sweeping the globe from the ins- corporations institutions that benefit from it uh, there wasn't go- i I could make a single choice at my school and things like that cool excellent, great, but I should not i don't confuse that for change, which is collective and it requires a bunch of us to do something, and it won't happen without that so um, I do suspect that when, if, if there is a collective, for me, that's what it comes down to. It's, it's either we are going to have a collective struggle or we will find our own path. Even me and Brandy finding our own path together. And then the nukes take the whole thing out anyway. That's how this is going to go. And it's becoming more clear to me that five, 10, 15, 20, like this whole, if we don't take on a comp- this competitive system, it's all, it's going to end in a blaze. Um, and not that humans won't be able to live on it, but we can. Well, we can take out the idea that a lot of the things we're talking about in terms of healthy living are kind of going to be very difficult to be done under the circumstances where Putin's not going to lose, the chairman of the China is not going to lose, and nobody from the United States is ever going to lose. So they're all going to be in the war, and none of them are willing to lose. So that just means they have to go down with the ship, um, and that's that's the reason why that that. That Federalist uh, guy who wrote for the Federalist and did all that wargaming with the NATO people, or they were wargaming NATO. Each time it came up, you lost a billion, because the notion was no ruler goes down with nukes without using them, if they if if they have no other choice but to do it. So, for me, I don't think we're talking about you know generations or anything like that. I do feel like we're talking about this generation, and we'll either do it or we won't. And if we don't, I I don't think there is a future. Um, And I, so there is no solo road that leads us out of this trap that we're being herded into. There's only a collective way out of it. It is only, in my opinion, the working class that can do it, um, that can, can lead it and take on the forces, the raid against them. Um, And that's what was so meaningful for me about, because I imagine right now what, What a similar convoy in the United States would do if they were encircling Washington D.C. while they're trying to do this bullshit in Ukraine, you know that would be pretty interesting to me. Um, I know they'd have to get kicked. I mean, the National Guard would definitely kick in it, get be kicked, brought in, and of course their assets would be frozen. But that's also a question of will as well and of support that those people might have. And if there was broader support and if there was more willingness of more of us to engage. And support that struggle in whatever way we could, it does then for me that the notion of the possibility of changing things and changing our relationship to each other but also to the land, then I think it's in play and not just a situation where one person figures it out. Although I do think, Eduardo, the kinds of things you've learned could very well be really, and other people have learned, could be really helpful to the kind of society if we get the chance to have a choice that's outside of profit, I think it could be really dis- decisive in terms of what that future might look for. Like look, look, look how it might look for people like yourself who've done this kind of studying. Cause I do think it's important.
0: Do you mean about, um, for example, yeah, my study yeah. on permaculture, yeah. right? Permaculture means permanent culture,
1: sustainable ways for yeah. us
0: to live with yeah.
1: the land. So, and I don't think people would have a problem you know doing making manure from their own poop mm-hmm. if, they, if they knew that they're a of solution it, yeah absolutely you know
2: it's better so, smart toilet
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and that's coming too man and they've already talked about how covid they're trying to measure covid levels by looking at the sewage mm-hmm. so that's weird you know
2: yeah
0: yeah
2: one thing want... one thing that i oh go ahead eduardo
0: no no go ahead just
2: uh, I was just going to say one thing I was just thinking about um, in terms of collective, collective struggle and, and the fight, you know, in this kind of new or new normal era. Um, I mean, we have a lot of people on our side. But I still think we're going to need a lot more, <laughs> uh, like a lot more. And I'm just thinking about, you know, all of the people that took the injections um, or that cheered stuff on. Um, and one of the things, like to connect this to our discussion of veganism um one of the things that's really hard about <laughs> this decision for me personally hmm. is kind of having the humility to admit like hey i I was trying yeah. my best all this time, but maybe I didn't have it quite right, or maybe it was right for me at that time, but now it's not mm-hmm. you know, and i I believe that veganism was for me an integral part of the process of, of like what indigenous scholars would call like decolonizing the mind. Right. Um, and now I believe that questioning it and, and perhaps leaving it all together is part of that process too. Um, and there's a part of me that's like, Oh, like I'm listening to myself. I'm probably going to watch this episode back and <laughs> listen to myself and think like, maybe I'm just fucking tired of fighting and I'm looking for excuses. <laughs> but i I really don't think that's the case. Yeah. Um, one, because I love being vegan. Like I have loved it despite all the bullshit. like like i I loved it. Um, but also, like, it's easy at this point for me to be vegan. Um, maybe not for everybody, especially at this start. but logistically and philosophically, it's way it's the easier choice, right? And I think what I'm realizing is that that probably reflects on a degree of black and white thinking, right? Like what I'm trying to wrestle with, some of these questions are like way harder, you know? Um, and I think, I just hope, you know, that other people like in other areas, um, are, are wrestling with questions of their own and are going to be willing at some point to say like, ah, like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I was wrong on whether it's the vaccines or the convoy or the censorship or whatever. Right. Um, and I'm not saying like, don't hold them accountable. Um, but yeah, I think we're like, just, collectively, uh, especially in the U S like this past six years, I guess, um, we're just increasingly like every time we're challenged, we like double down, um, when really, I think we need to be asking ourselves harder questions, even if we don't, you know, even if the, the answers aren't easy or, or maybe like, aren't even clear yet.
1: Yeah. I really agree with that. Um, And Eduardo, I'm going to have one exercise for us because I want to see what your thoughts. I'm going to ask you a question, Eduardo. What what was the most interesting thing you heard Jessica say out of this? Um, Because for me, it was um, when you said that, I mean, there's been a lot of good stuff, but what's one thing I didn't know that struck me was when you said you're one of those people who like, Studies percolates, thinks about something, and then boom, you shift, and then you make a move, and then that's what you are. Like you're doing that, you know. That's how I heard you describe, and that's very much how I think of what I do as well. It's how I've approached politics. It's how I've approached work. It's how I approach my life in many of the things. I, it's how I've approached when I was doing uh, jujitsu or the decision to do, do those sorts of things. It's like it's how I think of fighting or competing in fighting. Is like that that boom now go, you know. Not to win, not to lose, but you just do. You have to make a choice. And and it for me, it it requires a certain level of discipline and a certain level of like, I will do this and I'm going to see this through because this is what I believe. And so here I go. Um, so that struck me when you described yourself that way, because that's how I see myself in terms of how I've been able to make certain decisions. Um, so I didn't know that about you, but I that's why I don't think this is a... Um, Like, I'm not even questioning that this is some sort of like, oh, you're fatigued, or da-da-da-da. I think it's another one of those moments where something's been percolating and and you're going to make another move.
2: Do people get frustrated at you, Andy, though, when you make that move and then they're like, you've changed overnight. And I'm like, (laughs) fuck you, I've been reading, I've been studying, I've been losing sleep. Like, it's not visible to the outside. Well, I just think people...
1: No, I don't face. I haven't faced that. I, what I've faced more is a notion of a sense of like, okay, now you've made your mind. You're not going to change your mind. There's no point in talking to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but I I also agree with that thing you said at the end though about there does need there. I am absorbing what I hope is more fluidity to to make a move into a direction and saying I think I believe this, but to also have some air bars in that thing or like some real latitude to try to move a little bit. So I think I'm becoming more mature in that way. In the way you described at the end, you know, cause I, I that thing you said about yourself in the beginning really struck me.
0: Um, I think I'm not sure about what struck me or what I think what stood out for me in in this discussion was something that we have been exploring here on West Left, which is to have conversations openly so that other people see that we're just as they are, and it requires a certain level of humility to accept that we change our values, our ethics, our principles, our politics, ourselves over time. You know, I think it's cringy listening back to myself from what's left back when we started. But was it 2018, Andy? Yeah, it was a while ago, four years. Mm-hmm. And then listening to current what's left episodes of myself. So in the same realm, you just you know, you might feel. I think your word was. Um, I don't know what you said. Like it take certain humility, but you said it maybe uncomfortable. I'm not how would you describe it's 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 kind of um it's uh it's challenging to be recorded, to be in these episodes and to sort of change those things in front of people, no? Uh, some people do that privately. A lot of people do that privately. <laughs> 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 but we here we're doing it as maybe Andy's term to borrow from his phrase a fishbowl, right? We're doing it in front of others, and maybe some student, some person who knows you might have might see this and say, like, "You know, I remember when she was being obnoxious, what five years ago <laughs> or four years ago, and look at her now. She's eating venison and eating sausage from her neighbor, you know, and that's that's hard. I think it's hard for people." Or for me, I'll speak for myself. But you, I like what you said, humanity. It's hard when you're you're changing over time, and you're doing it. You're doing it openly and publicly. It takes a, it is a certain quality and to do it. It take and we are exposing ourselves here. Um, we're doing it in front of people. I don't like it. Uh, you know, I've edited less over the years. <laughs> Uh, and I still even looking back at those heavily edited, uh, videos of myself, I still feel like, oh, I hated them, you know, and I hate watching them, but I appreciate you taking the courage, right. Uh, to delve into the unknown, uncomfortability of this. When we started this, you said, I don't even know where I'm, I asked you a direct question. I said, so are you going to stop being vegan or not? And you said, um, You said, I don't know, (laughs) maybe, maybe not. You're still grappling with that. And you might just still be, you might just decide I'm I'm just going to have meat, you know? Uh, So I appreciate that, Jess, that you bring that to the table, that you bring your full self, your authentic self. And uh, it it encourages me to continue doing so. Yeah, so that's, that's what I, that's what stood out for me. Well,
2: thank you. I'm from my perspective, I, I really appreciate you both just making space to have this conversation because I think a lot of people aren't willing to, like, whether it's this or someone else, it's like, oh, you're a hypocrite or mm-hmm. shut up or you're wrong or, or you're right or whatever. Like, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's right and what's wrong. I'm just trying to do my best. And I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I think you kind of just have to go through these processes, right? To get to wherever you're going and then, and then to the next thing. So I really appreciate both of you, uh, making space and yeah, just being supportive. <laughs> I'm scared for my vegan friends to listen to this.
1: I, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that a part. I be I mean, like, we're going to get some, if we get some hate on YouTube, that'll be interesting. Oh, yeah. The vegan crowd comes out and tax you. I'll try to defend as best I can. <laughs>
0: Can I make a? You know, that's what, and I like to come back to our original intention of what's left. Uh, You know, you said earlier that it was difficult for you to say that you're a leftist or not. What you said, what does that ever mean? You know, there are so many layers to who we are. It's so complex that people, both right and left, do it. But I think we've identified here. Maybe you might agree with this or not. That the left does it more. This this high moral stance. This purist way of thinking, you know, oh, this is how you should do these things, right? And there isn't any nuance or any sort of change, or maybe even difference of thought, because once you stray, you're cut off, you know, as we have seen with this COVID. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a type, but I think we should, this is what this is, the essence of what's left is to have difficult discussions so that we are able to not censor or, uh, what's the other word, Uh, block or not? What is the word? Uh, Cancel. Cancel, thank you. We did an episode on that. Cancel people out.
1: Yeah, and and I think you'll, um, I I know that at times you were wondering if you were rambling or, but honestly, I I feel like, when you go back and listen to the episode, it's very, not very, it's clear in its entirety what you're describing. So I, I think you did a really good job Because now I think I understand better the change you're making. Whether or not you choose to actually go back to eating meat, I think I understand better how it's very much connected to things that are changing in my mind about how I think about how we're going to make global change and what that might look like. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing this, Jessica. Thank you.
2: Next week, back to Ukraine, guys, I promise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone. Yeah, we're definitely, yeah, we're going to be back. <laughs> I think we have some interesting stuff in mind for next
0: week. That does it for this week's episode. Uh, What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging. That means you're left. We you post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webnote.com. Um, you can find past episodes to this podcast's channel there and connect with us if you like anything you have heard here please subscribe rate review turn on your notifications uh to any of our platforms on spotify itunes podcast stitcher google play uh bit odyssey youtube or telegram and you can find all of that again on the episode notes or on our website all right uh if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to, for us to cover contact us through our blog i'm Eduardo Barca with focus jessica and andy libson thank you all very much we'll see you all next time ciao